Blog Talk Radio. Good morning to those on the West Coast. This is Stuart Crawford, and uh, welcome to The Orange Files, a weekly podcast uh, talking about business, online marketing, social media, and uh, the world of corporate communications and, uh, you know, and just general business. Uh, we've been silent for a little while. We've, you know, with no excuse, we've been really, really busy with uh, taking care of our clients, but we haven't had much time to get on and, uh, and do our podcast here. But David and I have uh, committed to getting it back on the air, so... Uh, Stay tuned for what's going on with the Orange Files here. Uh, with me is my good friend and uh, trusted partner, David West. Hi, everybody. And um, David will be uh, chiming in with some words of wisdom from time to time. We've got a very special uh, show to kind of get things kicked off again. Uh, we're joined by Chris Brogan. Uh, he's the president of New Marketing Labs uh, on the East Coast in the Boston area. Now, if you don't know who Chris is, uh, Chris has wrote a, a co-authored a great book called The Trust Agents. He's very active uh, in the social media uh, world and Twitter. He's got some great videos out on YouTube. And he's really uh, a thought leader when it comes to, uh, you know, social marketing, building online communities, and, uh, you know, all, all that good stuff that goes along with that. So, you know, I, this man needs no real introduction, but I'm going to let him get on here and tell a few words about himself. Chris, how are things? Uh, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to be on, and thank you. And uh, things are amazing. Great. So, Chris, tell us a little about yourself. You know, I know you. You know, leading your, you know, some information online. You, you know, you started in the kind of the. I think you started in the mobile space. You got the podcast things going uh, a while back, and I believe you're still active in that. But give us a little bit of a, you know, an outline of your resume for per se uh, who Chris Brogan really is. Well, sure. Um, I I've been in before getting into the whole social media thing. I've been in the wireless telecom and landline telecom space. I started blogging back when it was called journaling in 1998. I came a little late to podcasting, but um, I started with a, a real interest in the space and, and what it was going to do for everybody. And so I co-founded an event called PodCamp, the first one of which had kicked off in September of six. We've now had something like 120 of the events all over the world, uh, Cape Town, South Africa, Perth, Australia, lots in Canada. Toronto seems to be the place where they have the most of them. Um, and beyond that, on the second day of PodCamp, I left and started working with Jeff Pulver on a conference called Video on the Net. So I ran a conference for him and was also a community developer at his uh, startup network, too. After that, I ran uh, strategy and technology at a company called CrossTech. And then last January, I spun one part of CrossTech's business out of them and turned my bosses into business partners and started a company called New Marketing Labs, which is basically a social media marketing uh, execution and strategy consulting company. We do everything from you know, writing the ideas to actually helping them get them executed and educated around it. Uh, most of our clients are Fortune 100 and Fortune 500 types. So we try to help big old companies like Pepsi figure out how to act like humans on the web and whatnot. Um, so not unlike your consultancy, I just picked a different kind of client. Uh, beyond that, I wrote the book Trust Agents with Julian Smith from Montreal, which hit the New York Times and Wall Street Journal uh, bestseller list. And I just put out a new book a couple of months ago, because why not? 
uh, called Social Media 101, and that was a blast as well. So uh, I guess that's me in a nutshell. Other than that, there's a, a kind of newer project called Third Tribe Marketing, which is an online private uh, community talking about online marketing where we give a lot of tips and tricks. And I keep pretty active on my blog, chrisbrogan.com, every day. Yeah, great. It's a great blog, uh, blog Chris. I follow it uh, religiously. Uh, almost every morning, I look forward to uh, getting the, you know, the Twitter messages coming out. That you got a new blog post, and uh, I really liked your overnight sensation uh, YouTube videos you put out uh, a while back too. You know, that was a very uh, innovative uh, way use of uh, of video for uh, in the online world. Thank you. Yeah, I love using video because I think it's just another way to make a connection with people. I think that the opportunity is that. You know, when you read me, I sound one way. When you see me in a video, I come off in a whole different direction. So, I mean, even with, say, podcasting, it allows you to put some humanity to the rest of the stories so that there's a little bit more of a relationship. Exactly. Let's, let's kind of dig in a little deeper on that relationship thing because, Chris, you know, I'm sure when you're uh, consulting with the, with the larger enterprise-type uh, customers that you deal with, uh, and, and what we definitely see it in the small business space, is a lot of people are turning to social media really with a focus on pitching their products and, and maybe not so much on a relationship. Obviously, there's some pitfalls with uh, taking that approach, is there not? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if it's, if it's all about you and your dumb product, then it's just going to be a really short-term uh, relationship. It's not going to be an opportunity to uh, connect and, and talk about the larger opportunities. It's just going to be a, like a one-shot deal. I mean, if you're, I don't know, you're selling services like legal services to somebody else that's a relationship-based business, you kind of understand it better. If you're selling actual products, uh, sometimes it's a little harder to realize what to do. I mean, uh, George G. Smith Jr. did a great job when he was community guy at Crocs. He would talk to people about lots of stuff that had nothing to do with those goofy little rubbery shoes, and you got to the point that you really cared about them. If you already liked Crocs, you were great. Uh, if you weren't such a fan, I'm, I'm not particularly into them. Uh, but I, because of my relationship with George back when he was working at that company, it, it made a bridge between uh, what my wife and kids were into and, and my daughter likes the shoes and whatever. So, you know, the relationship brought me to that instead of the other way around. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for people to realize that you have to be there before the sale, which is something we talked about in Trust Agents, and it will give you a better opportunity for more longer-term relationships. Yes, it takes a little longer time, but it also means that there's a lot more retention and loyalty for your real uh, would-be customers. The other thing to remember about that is that not everybody on the web is just sitting there waiting to be your customer. Maybe some of them will never be your customer, and you still have to build you know, some level of relationship with them and not try to sell to them all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's one of the common uh, challenges we see. You know, there's within, definitely with small business where we focus that you know, some of them are really – uh, trying, you know, they're living paycheck to paycheck almost. You know, they're kind of, you know, that that hunger for, you know, meeting quotas so they can keep their cash flow healthy comes through. And often they're not, more often than not, they're turning and trying to do the last minute desperation plea online. Please buy my products or services. And I think that actually turns off more people than attracts to them. Was basically what you just uh, you said. You know, uh, Chris, kind of on that same breath is, you know, where do you see this whole online community going? Uh, you know, into the second half of 2010? I think that what's going to happen now is that, you know, we understand tools like Facebook, we understand tools like Twitter, we know that there's lots of people on them, uh, but what's, what's true is that those kinds of tools are like the commons. It's like going to a really big park 
and somebody's over there having like a rollerblading game, you know, some hockey, street hockey or something. Some people are having a conversation with their family and maybe a picnic. Some people are there to uh, just kind of close their eyes and relax. You know, some people are there maybe to steal a few hours away and kiss, but you know what I mean? It's one big park. There's lots of people in it, but they're there for different purposes. Well, you can't just walk in and stick your uh, uh, soapbox down and stand up on top of it and start blathering about your point and expect it's going to work really well. So once you find the like-minded people in those comments, I think you have to bring them somewhere. And so in my mind, what's, what's sort of – I had predicted it last year, but I'm always a little early in my predictions. Uh, it's what I call velvet rope social networks. So uh, in, in my little brief thumbnail bio there, I mentioned Third Tribe Marketing. That's a little private online community, and people pay to get in. It's, it's 47 bucks U.S. a month. Um, but when you're there, we can all just talk about marketing without worrying that people who don't care about online marketing or people who think the Internet is supposed to be about talking about their dogs and their kids uh, aren't coming in and aren't saying, oh, you guys are just a bunch of marketers, you know, because that's what we set the system up for. It's just built for people to come and just talk about, you know, how do we get more people to uh, buy or what's the, what's the more ethical way to get people to sign up for my email newsletter list, all those kinds of questions. We can have those conversations without anyone feeling weird. Lots of examples of it already exist. Sermo.com, S-E-R-M-O.com is a private network for medical professionals. Imagine tools like Facebook or, or Twitter even where medical professionals want to have conversations. turns out the conversations are dramatically different than other kinds of conversations. So I think that... Uh, you know, I think that's where everything goes next is what I call velvet rope social networks or sort of private social networks. Yeah, I think you and I are on the same kind of thought pattern with this because I'm talking more and more with my clients as well about the importance of uh, getting into these private networks uh, for best practice sharing or idea sharing, those type of uh, community building. We've joined one recently called MyOilCommunity.com, which focuses on professionals in the oil and gas industry and those that service the oil and gas industry. So lots and lots of these uh, online communities uh, jumping up. Another great one that uh, for those in the high tech and technology business is what, uh, one called Partnerpedia.com. But Chris, they all have the kind of same uh, feel to it. They're all about best practice sharing and uh, ideas and, and even, you know, I need a I need an information technology professional in Toronto, and where do I turn to find one? And maybe just ask the community. I, I think that's where I see social media going. And if I if I hear you correctly, kind of along the same thought pattern you have. Yeah, I mean, I think we're we're pretty close on that. So, I mean, I think that we'll kind of go in and out. I think that you know, there's there's places for the comments, and of course, it's a great place to start to uh, find new blood for new things, like LinkedIn and that. Um, but I think that we just we're going to start to need slightly more customized spaces. There was an announcement fairly recently before the time of this recording where people were saying that Ning was no longer going to offer free sites, and I thought, well, great. I mean, I, I think they're going to run into problems anyway because all the sites are fairly cookie cutter. So without a lot of really good development effort, they, they just feel the same, they act the same, and they don't customize for the different kinds of things we're interested in. Chris, I, I, um, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are in, term, uh, in terms of the user-contributed Internet uh, with, uh, for example, the um, sites like Ning and now just recently announced the unvarnished site uh, where people are connecting their Facebook accounts and, uh, and uh, uh, unabashedly uh, pounding away, no longer just on businesses but on individuals on the Internet. Uh, what, what are your thoughts around where, where the... Um, 
the user contributed feedback or uh, comments are going to go what's what do we see down the road in terms of uh, of this is there going to be a backlash well that's a good question i mean I, I think that the tools for quite some time have allowed us to uh, complain wherever we want to complain or you know have our voice wherever we want to have our voice and so in my mind, I guess I think that uh, for a long time, there's been this sort of disjointed, disparate conversation stuff going on. There's, you know, like like uh, the consumerist is a place where people are starting to take their negative opinions of consumerism, and there's the uh, the whole Yelp situation where all these businesses now have to decide if they want to come and have their conversations in Yelp and all that. So I, I think it hasn't. It's not especially new. It just seems to be multiplying in volume. For that reason, and, and that reason more than any, businesses really need to work harder on using listening tools and having a decision point on what, when they're going to engage, how they're going to engage, and how not to let all those comments fall on deaf ears. Um, complainers are complainers, but then there's a lot of times that people have really good righteous reasons to have an issue with your business, and you have to separate those. Um, somebody's cursing, somebody's swearing, somebody feeling that they've been maligned doesn't necessarily mean that they're wrong. They just maybe are using a different methodology than you. Uh, the way to start listening, I mean, I wrote a blog post about this a million years ago. Uh, if you just Google the phrase, grow bigger ears, you'll, you'll find the post I'm talking about. Um, but what you find is that listening tools will allow you to organize all those kinds of conversations. And you should thread it into both your customer service, your PR, and your marketing arms. Uh, and if you're in a really small company, maybe that's all three people are you. Uh, but you should understand how you're going to go out and spend your time connecting and where and when you're going to address those kinds of concerns where you find them. Right. Excellent. And, and Stuart and I couldn't agree with you anymore. Uh, uh, perfect. So. Yeah, exactly. So, Chris, you know, what we, we talked about tools like Facebook and Twitter. You know, I have to ask you, where do you see Twitter going? Because, you know, the jury dealt with a lot of people that we talk with, uh, you know, from the business side anyways, that uh, it doesn't really fit in. Uh, my personal feel, feeling is that it, uh, it's going to lose whatever traction it had in the, in the business community uh, and uh, just purely become somewhere where people can just go out and have fun. Is, is that kind of where you see it going, or do you have a different view? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm getting a lot of value out of it still. I mean, I, I get something between 40 and 60% of my business leads, uh, you know, is, is into the six-figure range via Twitter. So I'm sure not shutting off that channel anytime soon. Um, what I find is that um, I, I think I think the people who weren't really ready to embrace it in the first place are, are still kind of thinking of it as a bit of a fad. I think people who are uh, maybe not necessarily ready to sort of use that much, those, that many calories to have that kind of business conversation are also in a spot where they're you know, they're just not you know they're just not seeing it right away. I think as tools like LinkedIn try to, to mimic some of the features of Twitter, I think people who are really uncomfortable just kind of fled back into LinkedIn and said, oh, this is the same thing. But it's really not. I, I, I think of Twitter as the serendipity engine. And when I say that, it's, it's really good for sort of weird long ball lead generation. And it has found to be lots of crazy business opportunities. And it's amazing where these things come out of. I mean, here's a, a small business story. I shot a YouTube video. I looked over at my uh, bookshelf and I noticed that there was a whole bunch of different kinds of whiskey, uh, Scotch, uh, Canadian Club, and all these other kinds of whiskeys and bourbons. And I thought, oh, huh, that's interesting. So I threw them all on my table and I broke open a bottle that my friend Tom Martin had sent me. 
from this company called Buffalo Trace. All I did was just talk about the, the liquors that were there, took, you know, took a little tasting of the Buffalo Trace, thought it was great. Out of this, the company who makes that liquor saw the video, decided that they wanted to, to send me or, or bring to me at this event I'm coming up on uh, a little bit of their super secret experimental trial run of some new kind of liquor. So I'll take free whiskey. Uh, and then second, this company that does a magazine, a trade magazine for the whiskey space, saw me and sent me three issues of their old magazine, some really nifty glasses, and also wanted to talk business. One or two of those two businesses might become a lead that might become more business for me. And all I did was shoot a, a video of me trying out some of their products. Now, some people, the sort of naysayers will be, yeah, but that's because you have an audience. But I didn't have an audience. I was just like any old person. I mean, we all start fairly equal in this road. Uh, you know, I'm not backed by any big company on my own. So I think that these are the opportunities that we can get. Tools like Twitter bring me this because that's where the person found me in both cases, the Buffalo Trace person and the magazine that services whiskey, happened to see traffic go by on Twitter and went, oh, this, this pertains to me. I shall use this for business. I think when people don't get Twitter, it's mostly because they're not spending enough time in search.twitter.com because that's where all the revenue comes from. If you're just sitting around watching your stream, then you know it's like fishing in one corner of a really big lake. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And that's what we're uh, helping our, our clients understand is you know it's especially with uh, the integration now into Google and the archiving of Twitter. When we talk about uh, you know corporate intelligence and, uh, and information gathering, and, and, and search.twitter.com is one, and even uh, the options inside Google Search Engine to go and look at archived tweets. Uh, it's there is a, there is a uh, distinct uh, reason to uh, look at Twitter as a possible research engine. I guess that's what I, Chris is where I'm going at. It. You don't necessarily have to tweet messages unless you're, you're guys like you and I who are, are sharing content. Uh, but if you're as a, a business owner looking for uh, maybe a social media expert or uh, somebody to partner up with, uh, using Twitter as a research tool could potentially bring more value to your business. Oh, absolutely. I, I, for one, it, it's great for doing research. Uh, for two, it's good to sort of sniff around and find things. I mean, I, I try to show businesses just how to do it for very baseline lead generation. Uh, Marcel Lebrun, who's from the Fredericton company, Radian 6, calls this listening at the point of need. And there's just too many great examples of small businesses using tools like Twitter to uh, do lead generation and, and find real easy sales opportunities just through using search. Mm -hmm. So, Chris, the other question I had jotted down here, and you mentioned names as a, an example. Uh, there, there seems to be an infectious type of social network happening where, you know, I, I, I created a names account, and before I knew it, uh, it broadcasted out to my entire LinkedIn, uh, a LinkedIn account requesting people to join up, join up with me on names. You know, what's your opinion on the, you know, Dave and I kind of coined it the infectious social network. You know, it's, it's starting to infect other social networks, uh, you know, either automatically or just by by stupid user mistakes. Uh, what, what's your opinion on, on not trying other people trying to grow their own tools by uh, re uh, recruiting members from other services? Um, it's happened a long time before social media tools came and went. I mean, there's always ways to try to cannibalize on somebody else's list or group or whatever. Um, I think that the a lot of the new technologies make it easier to do those kinds of things. 
But then in another way, I, I can say that, you know, we should be really tool agnostic in how we're running our businesses, period. I mean, all this social media stuff is grand and dandy, uh, but the number one social media tool in the world is still the telephone, and the number two is the email. Uh, so if you're, not, if you're not dropping things back down to face-to-face you know, -face phone and email in some form or another, then you're skipping out on the top three ways to get real business done. Um, the beauty of the tools is, you know, when we can find some kind of synergy and some kind of uh, pickup and some kind of action. But it's amazing sometimes where you'll see like I don't, you'll see sort of Facebook fanatics or you'll see Twitter fanatics or, or whatever, and they're just like, oh, this is the only way to do it. And I just, you know, there's days that I just can't wait for a site like that to go dark. You know, it'd be it'd be lovely to see the Facebook fanatics of the world, you know, lose Facebook for a week and then say. Oh, that's weird. My revenue just went down dramatically because this was the only channel I was nurturing. Uh, I don't know that I put all my eggs in anybody's basket if it's a third-party product, and I don't even put all the eggs in my blog. So, you know, just like in all things in life, if we don't if we don't diversify our channels just a hair, even though we keep our business sound and focused on one thing, we're going to run into some trouble. Yeah, I I totally agree to Chris. I have to ask this question because you know you built you, you built a, a good business by and following online, but how important is you getting out of your office and meeting pe people face to face in your business? Is it still a critical uh, part of your lead generation activities for uh, for your own consulting business? Well, I fly every two days. I go all over the world. I meet people everywhere. I go to as many conferences as I can afford to attend, and it is still very very important. I think that the uh, the online stuff is to me like hamburger helper. It really makes the meal tastier, and it spreads out the fact that you didn't have enough hamburger for all the family. And I think that social media tools are a great way to do pre and post follow up research and everything. Uh, but at the end of the day, I have yet to sign a big six figure deal just via Twitter. I end up having to shake somebody's hand, and I, I usually have to fly out and kiss a few babies before I get the real deal. So I'm finding that. Uh, you know, face-to-face -face matters as much as it ever did. It's just that the in-betweens are so much better and the fact that I can run my organization. I have 11 employees. I hired two that I, I never even met before uh, because my other guys are able to do it, and we, we connect mostly via virtual tools. So it's, uh, there's an office. I just don't always have to be there. And so those are the pluses, but we still do have to be connected with humans. Exactly. Uh, Chris, you know, here... We have a political uh, a, a city election coming up uh, in the fall this year, and I'm sure a number of my colleagues who are running for uh, different positions on city council and for the mayor position who happen to maybe listening to this program today, uh, you know, what advice can you give to uh, a politician with social media tools? You know, you know, off the success that Barack Obama had uh, with uh, with his social media activities when he was running for president. But even for you know a local city councilor, what advice can you share with them about uh, using social networks and social media tools uh, when they're running their campaign? You know, I've suddenly had this weird spate of talking to political folk everywhere. Uh, for example, I was able to uh, spend some time with Governor Perry down in Texas uh, and uh, the Governor of Delaware. So it's interesting. Uh, politics and social media go well together, partly because everyone just kind of came Johnny come lately because they saw how successful Barack Obama was with it in his campaign. Um, I mean, the advice is to really use the tools to be uh, relationship-based and really be human. The opportunity is to say, you know, I'm going to find like-minded people. That's, that's sort of the thing politicians 
run into a problem with is that there it's a numbers business. I mean, at the end of the day, you win because you have numbers, and so you're, you're out there just trying to capture market share, not unlike a lot of businesses. And I think that it's a uh, it's a situation where you have to sort of temper the use of these social tools with the sense of trying to get, get every single number going. Uh, the best way to go after that is things like inbound marketing, uh, those sort of methods like uh, shooting videos that helps people understand your position better, uh, connecting with folks on the social channels before and after the election, which is one huge thing that people cited negatively about how Barack Obama used it. He was really active on Twitter. He gets elected, and then suddenly it pretty much goes dark. So I think it's a... Uh, yeah, I think he lost his BlackBerry too, so uh, or had it live without it. I'm just reading a great book called BlackBerry Planet. It talks about his uh, dark days without a BlackBerry, and uh, now he can't even communicate outside the world without uh, some sort of uh, secret service intervention or uh, government uh, bureaucracy getting in the way. But I think uh, exactly so. That big, that big government, you know, little uh, small government's a little different. So Chris, we only got a few minutes left. What's on the what's next for you? You talked about your social media one on one book. You know, you're having a lot of fun doing what you're doing. Any plan for you and Julian to work together again? Oh yeah, absolutely. Julian Smith and I are uh in proposals for a new book. We uh we have a book agent this time. We did the first one just kind of directly with the publisher and uh it was successful, so you test typically you go with a book agent so that they can make you into a rock star or something, I don't know. But um our our new book is pretty interesting because uh, trust agents is you know how to how to sort of look at the web and build human relationships. Now we're talking about uh, how to build a human business. And when we say that, well, one of the things that we've come to understand is that what we know how to do as internet business people is really different than what brick and mortar people do, and how the how you know several of the last generation's business books have been written. So the new book is uh, you know we haven't really given out the title yet, but the new book is aimed at uh, what do we know? What do we learn from building internet-based businesses, and how they can apply to online and offline businesses, and being a lot more human in how you do it? That's fantastic. I look forward to getting. I look forward to seeing that come out uh, when you guys are ready to release it. Chris, we only got like uh, two minutes left. If uh, you know, if I had to give you 60 seconds to give a couple of key tips to uh, you know to a small business owner, uh, you know, just starting on the social media you know, bandwagon. You know, what two or three gems of information would you be able to share with them? Sure. So I would say think of social media, agnostic of the tools, think of it as having three major functions. One is listening, one is connecting, one is publishing. If you had only two hours a day to, de to dedicate to social media type use as part of your marketing and business efforts, then split it like this. Split a half an hour of listening, an hour of connecting, which is like commenting or talking on tools like Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn. Uh, and then another half hour for publishing. So there's your two hours. When I say publishing, it's things like blog posts, things like YouTube videos, things like Flickr. And the reason is that listening will help you find where, what people are saying about you and where. Connecting is obviously for prospecting, for lead generation, for handling people's complaints that you found in listening. And publishing is about creating interesting content that drags them interesting, drags them to find interest in your company and your site so that you can look for uh, further business relationships. No, that's, uh, that's great advice, uh, Chris. David, any uh, any last minute comments from your side? Uh, no, no epiphanies, uh, Chris. But I've really enjoyed uh, you know sitting here and listening and participating with you. It's uh, it's been a, a good chat and uh, it's uh, some good advice. Chris, I want, and Chris, I want to thank you as well for 
you know, taking a half hour of your day to come and uh, talk with those crazy Canadians up north here from, uh, you know, and uh, hope you uh, have good success going forward in your endeavors. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it, and I hope everyone uh, has a grand time. Yeah, and I recommend uh, if you're just listening and want to uh, connect with uh, Chris online, go to his blog at chrisbrogan.com. Follow him on Twitter uh, at Chris Brogan. Lots of good insight uh, there, and uh, you know, thanks again for uh, for coming on the program today. So next week, when we're back on uh, our regular schedule, we're going to reschedule uh, our shows. We're not going to be doing it on Fridays at lunch anymore. So look for uh, an updated schedule on our on our website at ulistic.com. Uh, you can find our new uh, broadcast schedule there. We'll have Leslie Roberts from Goforth Institute on next week, talking about entrepreneurship training and and preparing your small business uh, for success. Uh, and Goforth is uh, one of the leading Canadian-based uh, training firms uh, specializing in entrepreneurs. Once again, uh, thanks to uh, Chris Brogan for joining us, and thanks to my uh, great partner David for his two cents of uh, valuable information. My name is Stuart Crawford, and uh, thank you again for joining us, and we'll see you all next week.